You're listening to the School of Reinvention podcast. I'm your host, Roger Osorio. I'm the author of The Journey to Reinvention, How to Build a Life Aligned with Your Values, Passion, and Purpose. I'm also the founder of The School of Reinvention, a community-based coaching platform where we help people define success on their terms and reinvent themselves to make it happen. I believe that as the years pass, our values, passions, and purpose evolve, and we must reinvent ourselves in order to stay aligned with who we really are and what matters to us. This podcast is all about exploring different journeys to reinvention so that you can learn the strategies for how to successfully launch your next reinvention. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the School of Reinvention podcast. I am your host, Roger Osorio. I am also an author of the book, The Journey to Reinvention, How to Build a Life Aligned with Your Values, Passions, and Purpose. I'm excited to be here today and speak with and learn from Marisa Lopez, who is the founder and creative director of Connectory. Marisa is a personal brand consultant and creative storyteller with a 20-year history promoting thought leaders and exceptional talent. From renowned National Geographic explorers to innovative startups who are changing the world, she helps purpose-driven individuals and organizations use the power of storytelling to show up authentically, build an emotional connection with their audience, and drive positive change. No stranger to reinvention herself. In this episode, we'll hear how she went from presenting dance in New York City to becoming a published author after her mind-blowing travels in India how she got paid to travel the world for back roads and grew roots in New Mexico, where she ran an adventure film festival skiing in her free time. Ready for her next adventure, she relocated to Barcelona, obtained her EU citizenship, and her path took her into the world of content, entrepreneurship, community, and brand building. Each chapter on her journey has upgraded her skill set, influenced by her perspective, and shaped her sense of purpose. Today, many of her clients are reinventing themselves or stepping into their next level. Her sweet spot is quickly identifying what makes them stand out and helping them develop their message and voice to expand their influence and impact. Marissa, thank you so much for taking time to be with us, to help us learn from you. Obviously, you and I connected Um, because you're doing exactly this for me. And I'm seeing your work in action. And I mean, everything, you know, in this bio, you totally live up to that. And I'm so grateful that we have crossed paths. Thank you, Roger. And thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here, really, and look forward to our conversation today. Yeah, there's a lot to learn. There's a lot to unpack from your story. Just the bio, I think, already just piques everyone's interest. So let's dive (laughs) right in. My favorite question to ask, and this is such an important one because I feel like this sets the tone for the rest of the conversation, is Mm -hmm. what is your definition of success today? So obviously, by saying that, I'm emphasizing this moment because no doubt we're going to talk a little bit about what it might have been in the past. Sure. I would say my definition of success today is really being able to step into my purpose, to to use my gifts, to do good, right? Mm-hmm. So, so find my sweet spot and live in that sweet spot. Yeah. Um, it's also being energized by the work I do and being able to energize and inspire others. So just a constant sort of flow of inspiration and excitement, getting out of the bed in the morning and being happy to go to work and just thinking all the time, not to be constantly in work mode, but just inspired all the time, I think is a big part of feeling successful in what I'm doing. Of course, having a comfortable lifestyle, doing what I love is very important. So I'm not going to negate that. I think having your cake and eating it too. So doing what you love, but also having the the salary to go with it and and not having to choose between passion or paycheck, right? So 
I think that's success for me today. And I think one thing that sums it up really well is this Japanese concept of ikigai. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've heard of it, right? So for those who, who aren't familiar, you've got these like four circles or quadrants. You've got what I'm passionate about or what I love to do, what I'm really good at, where my natural gifts are, where my strengths are, what I can get paid for and what the world needs. And I feel like success to me today is that perfect intersection of those four quadrants, that sweet spot of having all of it, if you can. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I, that's success. One of the things that I'm taking away from this is success for you is a way of living. So it's not yeah. necessarily a moment or an, a particular achievement or anything like that. It's a way of living. It's it's how you behave every single day or what you get to do every single day. And I think that's really interesting. The more I talk to people on the show and learn about their definition of success, the more I hear success as a verb, uh, success mm. as something we do versus something we achieve. And mm. I think this is really interesting because we'll in a moment, we'll talk about what your any prior definition of success might have been. And often, I think that when I go back in my own story, I used to think of success more as an achievement. When I unlock a level, then I can say, I have made it and I am successful. Sure. But in your definition sure. of success, we're looking at it's about how you behave every day, what you get to do every day, and living in alignment. With living what, in alignment, I yeah, was going to say. That's what, exactly it. Exactly. Yeah, with what matters to you. And so I think that's really yeah. that's really important. And I love what you said about bringing that into alignment with your salary, with your ability to earn a living. And mm -hmm. that is also an important concept. I, I was at a, at a networking event a few weeks ago, and I talked to somebody who brought up this idea that Professor Scott Galloway from NYU, he has a whole brand mm -hmm. outside of NYU and all of that. And he talks a lot about, and, and it's not just him. I've heard this from so many people, how you know following your passion is like the worst advice and that it's something that, you know, first go make money. And then once you have money, you can go follow your passion. And I'm like, I don't know. That's assuming money is what I want uh, and a lot of it so that I can then go follow my passion. I think like, why not set a higher standard and say, no, I'd like because. to create. Yeah. And knowing that it might not be about finding it, but it might be about creating that alignment. Yeah. And maybe it doesn't exist perfectly, but it sounds like for you, you found a way to bring them together. And of course, mm -hmm. it, it, and this is what I love about what we're going to talk about in the rest of the conversation. It didn't happen overnight for you. It's not like you yeah. woke up on day one out of university or whatever and said, ha, huh, I'm here. Like I'm living in perfect alignment. It takes time to get there. And I think that's totally okay, but we're going to hear about how that goes. But before we do that, tell us a little bit about an older definition of success. Sure, You can go back as sure. far as you want, but just so we can compare and contrast and talk a little bit about that. Okay. I think back in my 20s, success for me was probably Definitely earning a good living, having the big title, recognition. I have to say, I studied performing arts. And so I'm a little bit of a different animal, I think, when it comes to what I might have been going for in my 20s. I went to New York to dance and perform. I also worked in production and, and, and with a presentation or a presenting organization for dance companies. And for me, success in the dance world was very much about making the papers, getting the great reviews, being invited to the biggest stages, going on tour, right? So it was, it was bigger and bigger audiences, definitely much more about recognition and visibility yeah. than, let's say, making money. Because as a dancer, let's face it, you don't make as much money as a lot of other industries. And, and the other thing I want to say is I've always followed my passion. I just didn't always have all of those pieces aligned. And so passion was what always drove me to take these decisions. Yeah. I chose dance because it was the thing I loved to do most. 
I gave up potentially that big salary or what I thought that part of success meant in favor of following my passion. And the same goes for many of the other decisions I made. Um, when I moved to, to Spain, that was another time when I really followed a passion and not necessarily made the most practical or financial decision according to my definition of success. Yeah, I would say that it was very much about that. And then over the years, my definition of success probably had a lot to do with the types of brands I was working with. When I was moving into a marketing role, the bigger brands, the sort of name brands, the title to go with it, that definitely felt like success to me. There were a couple of moments, though, on my path, and I don't know if you want me to talk about this now, but where things really shifted for me. And would you like to hear about In that? terms of, would you say in terms of like your definition? My definition. Of success? Yeah, yeah, let's talk about yeah. it. Go for okay, it. Okay, let's hear it. The big one for me was I left New York around age 26. Um, mm -hmm. I was on a path. I was in the dance world, as I mentioned. I was dancing, but probably more than dancing, I was presenting dancers. And I could see a road in front of me that was actually quite amazing. I was working with incredible people, very inspiring. I was probably on the path to become maybe one day an, artist, an artistic director or an executive director of a cultural institution. But at one point I said to myself, is this it? Is this the path? Is this it? And, and New York is a hard place for a dancer. <laughs> Let's face it. It's, I was working a lot and I was tired. Mm -hmm. So I decided to leave everything, commit my first career suicide, let's say. And I quit my job. I packed up my bags. I grabbed a backpack. I left my apartment and I bought a ticket to India because I needed to find out what was inside me and what was out there before I committed to a path. And so while I was in India, I did a lot of soul searching. I found myself, as we like to say. Yeah. And yeah, and I discovered a couple of things. But I think what I came back with was success is about being at peace with myself, feeling like I'm in the right place at the right time all the time. Yeah. And yeah, letting go of some of these other definitions because while I was there, I've never felt more at home. I've never felt happier. Mm -hmm. It was a it was a, an interesting feeling. I felt like I finally got to get a sense of who I was at my deepest soul or soul essence core level. And, and coming back with that, I just thought, okay, if I'm successful, I'm able to live from this place always, no matter what I do and bring that forward and not hold myself back. What do you think is it about going to India, going to a place like India that allows you to I guess, discover more about yourself and see more and maybe feel differently? That's a good question. Definitely getting out of your day-to-day -day routine. So I mean, you could go on a retreat and do the same thing. You could take a day off and do the same thing. But I needed to go as far away from my current reality as possible to just shift gears, shift mindset, see what else was out there, and also go inwards, right? So it forced me in. It was definitely a land of extremes. America's a land of extremes, but India was another was a whole nother level for yeah. me. And I think even emotional extremes, and it really pushed me and my boundaries and my limitations in terms of, wow, like I didn't even know there was another layer and another layer. Something else I discovered in India was I rekindled my creativity. Okay. So I felt like at some point I lost my voice, let's say. Mm -hmm. And when I was there, I was doing a lot of writing and I was writing home. I was sharing stories with people throughout mm -hmm. my journey and they were responding in such a way that made me think, gosh, maybe there's something here. And I ended up turning a story right away when I got back into a published story mm -hmm. for Traveler's Tales. And it, it stuck with me as this is a gift that I unlocked while yeah. there mm -hmm. that I might not have unlocked in my other 
in my other reality, let's say. I definitely derailed myself, but also found myself on a new path. And it wasn't always easy. I questioned my decision several times, but I'm glad I did it because I think I learned a lot about myself fairly young, which has served me later on. I think that's incredibly insightful about taking trips like that. And the reason why I want to talk about that is because, well, I don't even think it's just India, let's say. No, it doesn't have to be India at all. You said a lot of things that are, I think, unique to when we go to a place that's quite different from where we Mm -hmm. grew up or where we live at the moment. And that change creates the conditions for us to get out of our own head for a little while. Exactly. And just be able to zoom out and then, to your point, zoom right back in, but do Mm -hmm. some zoom in deeply to do that deep introspection and get to know ourselves better in the process. I also loved what you said about how being there tapped into, or maybe not tapped into actually, perhaps the right word is unlocked creativity on your mm. part. I've heard yeah. this many times from others. And I and when I wrote my book, I went through a manuscript writing course. And one of the things they told us was that finding uh, the right place to write for you is really mm. important. And for everyone, it could be different. And sometimes, it, uh, really, at the end of the day, it has a lot to do with where you can focus, where you can get out of your old distractions and just go into mm. a place that is void of those uh, distractions. So for instance, one of the places that they talk about was a flight when you're flying. Because even if you have internet, it's pretty bad. So you can't really do that much with it anyway. And so you can really just completely be undistracted there. You won't get as many emails or calls or whatever it might be. You can't really do those things. And so a plane becomes a place to write. And I totally feel that. Like I feel like on a plane, I can get a lot done. But yeah, I found that there's certain places I go where there's something about leaving that then allows me to become more creative or to, un- I should mm. say, unleash that creativity. Because I really do believe it's there for everyone. It's just a matter of how do we learn to unpack it? How do we learn to release it so that we can then practice it, develop it, make it better along the way? I think it's also, yeah, those new experiences, new yes. experiences, a sense of wonder, a sense of just awe at this totally different world. Yeah. Um, And I wanted to mention something else that changed my definition of success. And that was working for National Geographic. It was a few years later. Um, I'll probably get into the story of how that happened at some point. But I just want to say that when I was using my time and my energy and my talent and my skills to to advance the mission of National Geographic, which was to inspire people to care about the planet, or still is, I remember just feeling, wow, everything I'm doing is towards something that I really believe in and can totally stand behind. And so it was the first time I think I was really... Maybe not the first time even, but I got I, something clicked for me where it was, I'm doing mission-driven work. It's this purpose-driven work and having a purpose in front of me that's so clear yes. that I could contribute to absolutely shifted the way I would work from that point forward. And it's just become very much a part of what I feel is success for me. Is I think that's a really important idea. What I'm hearing, a theme that's that I'm picking up on is that as life went on, so did your definition of success. It evolved with new experiences. You learned new things. You went to India, you tried something out. And I thought it was interesting that you called it like, I can't remember the word you used, but not a distraction exactly, but going off on a tangent of sorts, if you will, you used another term to describe it. And, but maybe it's not that. I don't know if it is that because it sounds no, like it played a massive role. <laughs> it, yeah, exactly. It played a massive role. There's moments where I felt the same way. Uh, there were a couple of years and moments in my journey that I considered lost. And that's how I actually really thought about it until I started yeah. writing my book. And then I reflected on that and realized, no, 
those were the moment, even before actually, before writing my book, I realized, no, those are the moments where some really important work was being done. I was figuring things out, but I needed that space in order to do that. And that space isn't always profitable. It doesn't always net you the greatest income or the greatest revenue. So whatever, that's fine. But I think my ROI on it was life-changing ROI from that. But going back to that other thought was just essentially that as life goes on, our definition uh, definitions of success have the opportunity to evolve, but it's up to us mm-hmm. to evolve them. It's up to us to allow them to evolve because we could just dig our heels in and say, no, like I'm sticking with what I've been told way back when that's the definition of success that I'm changing, mm-hmm. but the definition of success stays the same. And I think that's the problem because when I talk to folks on the show, I'm I, I one of the things that I, comes out very clearly is that, yeah, their definition changed a lot many times as the seasons of their life went changed. So did their definition of success. But it was mm-hmm. allowing it to change that helped them actually, to use your words, step into their purpose on a consistent mm-hmm. basis and almost live just that life where you're like, OK, yeah. my purpose has shifted. So will my definition of success And I will now go and pursue something new, a new goal, a new outcome, whatever it might be. But it's now more, this is aligned better with who I am today. I want to say one thing about what you just said, which is you were writing your book and you were uncovering all these truths about yourself and you were digging in, you were becoming more self-aware. And I think writing did the same for me. So it unlocked my creativity, but it also allowed me to process what was happening and just reach a much deeper level in my self-awareness, which has just gone on to serve me so much later on. So I don't regret anything I did. At the time, I probably asked myself, what have you just done? (laughs) When you look in hindsight, it's like it all makes sense. And it's funny because that's what led me to do what I do today is to help people connect those dots, those seemingly disconnected choices in life and and tangents and roads and to make sense of this kind of spaghetti of, of trajectory and just tell the story of why all of it makes sense and all of it is part of who you are and how you show up today. So I love that part of it. And I had to do it for myself first and and at several points in my career trajectory or reinvention journey to be able to do it well for others. But I just love that process. I think it's fascinating. No, I I think that's all who we are. Yeah, I think that's a great takeaway for anyone listening is the power of writing and just the power of writing and how it allows us to really figure out what's inside of us and unpack it, but in an organized and structured method. It's so important. I Yeah, you're right. I discovered that in my writing that I thought, wow, there's so much about my journey that I didn't, I knew it. I just didn't really know it until I wrote it. And then I realized, whoa, there is something more powerful here than I thought. Or there's something I misunderstood for a decade. And now I don't misunderstand it. And now I get it. I totally get the role it played. So I love that you shared that. Thank you so much for that. So let's shift (laughs) into another topic. Let's talk about beliefs. I consider beliefs part of our operating system, if you will, the day-to-day operating system that guides how we behave, act, what we do, all of those kinds of things. Can you share with us an empowering belief that you've enjoyed that has that you credit with having helped you a lot, I would say, on your mm-hmm. journey? Sure. I probably have more than one that I'd love to share, but yeah, I'll, please do. <laughs> if you have more, I'll start with this it. one. I say it all the time. You're never it's never too late to reinvent yourself. Nice. Yeah, I just, the more I work with people who are going through reinvention and career change and pivoting and launching businesses after they've worked in corporate for years or whatever their situation may be, 
the older we get, the richer our stories become, the more complex we are as, as human beings, the more perspective we bring to the table, the more varied skills and diversity we bring to the table. And so there's just so much we can contribute yeah. after all these different experiences, what we were just talking about, right? And so to those who might think I'm too old to take such a risk, because sure, it might be easier to jump ship or change directions when you're younger, maybe you don't have a family or so many bills to pay. But at the same time, I think the older you are, the more yourself, the more you can show up, the more you can offer in some ways as well. And so I feel there's two sides to that coin. And I, I just like to share that because I've had clients who are just almost lost that belief that they could still do something completely new mm -hmm. at this stage in life. And when we pull out their story and we look at where they've been and where they want to go and the impact they want to have, they, they have these aha moments of, wow, you've brought my own confidence and clarity back. Thank you. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to hit the road running. So that's one, one empowering belief that I've mm -hmm. shared with my clients that I also take for myself. And I think we're in a constant process of evolution, as you said. The other thing I want to mention is in this day and age, like anything's possible as far as this whole lifestyle, this whole package, right? So it's not yeah. just the career, but it's the lifestyle that goes with it. I might not have believed years ago that I'd be living three minutes from the Mediterranean Sea with a pool in my backyard and gorgeous sunny weather and working from home and doing the work that I do and living in Spain. But thank God for this digital world we live in. You can, if you wanted to, have a great salary as a digital nomad living in Bali or take your family to Patagonia for a year to learn Spanish and keep your American job. There's just so many more ways you can yes. pull all the pieces together. And so it's like dream big. Anything is possible. Don't hold back. <laughs> and think of the big picture. What does your whole life look like? And not just the title or the job or the salary. But What's all of it? And then how can you bring impact? I think is the other yeah. part of dreaming big, right? I, I love that. I think that is such an important belief to have on the journey to reinvention, because as we change, so, you know, as we evolve, as we grow, as we develop, as our passions, our values, our purpose shifts and, and evolves, so will our goals need to. And if yeah. we don't believe that anything is possible, then yeah, we will there will only be so far that we can take our goals because we just don't yeah. believe that they can go there. But we do live in such an incredible time where things that, and I think you and I are uniquely placed because of our age and our, we were between two generations. So we saw it both, we saw both sides of this. I feel like we can appreciate yeah. it a lot more because I grew up in a world where, you know, the first half of my life, none of this was possible. There was only yeah, exactly. one kind of way to do it. Like I had to go to an office, work for a company, have a nice salary, be nice to my boss, try to get promotions <laughs> and do that all in one building. And that's where it has to happen. That's where the magic happens. And fair enough. That was fine. That's what it was. And I had no issues with that. I signed up for that, in fact. But then all of a sudden, boom, everything changed like right around graduation time and, and in the years after graduation. And all of a sudden it's, wait a minute, Tim Ferriss is talking about all this crazy stuff. I'm like, what do, mean? Yeah, what do you mean? Yeah. What do you mean that <laughs> I can live? Working. Yeah. What do you mean that I can go live somewhere else and, and go do this or go do that? That's yeah. pretty crazy. But it, yeah, the technology has enabled us to do it. So I think that it, if, gosh, if you, if, even if you don't believe it, you almost have to, because the tech is there. The tech forces us to have to believe that anything really is yeah, possible now. So I possible. appreciate you sharing that. Let's talk about the other side of it, though. Are there any limiting beliefs that have held you back? Maybe even one that you're still battling today, but it could also be one that you've overcome that you can share with us. 
Yeah. Going back to that same thing, moving to Spain before this digital world was mm-hmm. and anything was possible, I was relying on the job market here. And I would say that when I first moved here and left the U.S., it was a bit of a shock to the system in terms of the salaries, in terms of the job opportunities, comparing my current situation here to what I had in the U.S. And so very much I was in that sort of grass is greener syndrome of what if I had stayed, what would my career have been, how much could I have earned, how far could I have gotten. So even though, yes, my definition of success had changed, I still had moments where I was like, gosh, did I make the right decision here? But of course, looking back in hindsight, first of all, I've shifted all of that by making the different elements work for me, going online, working remotely, living where I love being by the sea, which is what I wanted, having my family, having my cake and eating it too. All of that has shifted. But I definitely feel like when I was in a position of, let's say here early on earning less, one of the the limiting beliefs I started having was if I'm earning less, am I worth less? And I think I, I felt a big drop in my confidence and in my ability and in where I could have been, let's say. And I was also working in another language that wasn't my own. There were many things, many factors at play that made me feel like I had taken a step back or step step down as opposed to moving forward in a constant forward direction. Um, I see it differently now, but at that mm-hmm. time it was a big one. And I think that maybe unleashed some money mindset limitations or beliefs. I was also a dancer living in New York City, which is very expensive. And so there I was also in that hustle mode of I've got to work, I've got to work, pay the bills. I chose this path. Now you're going to pay for it. And so getting away from this idea that following our passion means we have to hustle or taking a decision because Spain was more aligned with my values Mm -hmm. meant that I was going to have to give up the salary. I think that there were some misconceptions there at the beginning that I have definitely worked through and getting a business coach helped me. I think Mm -hmm. also having my own business and saying to myself over and over again, I can't do sales. I hate sales. It was a blocking point for me until she lifted the veil and said, it's, you're not taking people's money. You're giving them value. You're inviting them to get something that they want, that they need. Look at it as an exchange. And suddenly that conversation became so much easier and more fun when we, when I saw it that way. So yeah, Yeah. we've all been through moments or barriers that have shown up and gone, Ooh, how do I get over that one? But yeah, but yeah, I think those were some of mine. Yeah. What you said about pay and salary and uh, it determines your worth. So obviously, if you make less, you're worth less. And that is something that I've battled as well. And I totally hear you. It was and I was and and I'm reflecting right now, actually, on how I saw this when I even started the journey to reinvention. And one of my earliest measuring sticks, which uh, for success, which was also a, a limiting belief based on how you're describing it, was that as I move forward on this journey, I have to make more income. And that yeah. is, and so I just saw those as almost a natural connection, like it, exactly, like a law, like that, th- th- like yeah. a law of nature. Like there's no other way to see this, and it's yeah. crazy, right? Because when we're brought up with a certain belief, or we see something enough times, we really believe that is the right thing, that is the normal or, or the natural law that cannot be broken or cannot be, you know, defied or anything like that. And wow, I really did see it. And that's it. I was intentionally moving towards things that I loved. And yet at the same time, I was still measuring what I was doing based on like, how much am I able to bring in? And of course, I learned very quickly. Yeah, when you get on a journey like this, oh, you will take a pay cut, you will take a pay cut. And that's okay. It's part of it. But what you get back in exchange for the cut is worth more than the cut. 
because Absolutely. the 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 level of fulfillment that no doubt you had from living in Spain was you know probably over and above whatever you lost in salary and gosh it's truly priceless. <laughs> so Absolutely. let's go to another It was less. definitely <laughs> an exchange yeah. there. Spain for me was very much about living in my value, in alignment with my values, mm -hmm. because I really valued the European lifestyle. I, I wanted to be somewhere where there was uni universal healthcare. I wanted mm -hmm. to be somewhere where I could afford education for my children that valued this sort of family and social life and leisure time as much as work. I felt like I needed to get away from that work. Sure, yeah. I love my work, but I didn't want it to be everything all the time. And I could mm -hmm. see this other way of life happening over there. So there was there yeah. were things about being in Europe that were calling me. And and yeah, it may be a trade, but at the end of the day, I don't see it as a trade anymore. I see mm -hmm. it as how can I get really smart, really innovative, really yep. creative and make my situation the best it can possibly be and not give not have to give certain things up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And another thing that's just building off of this idea, because in your case, you moved to Europe, something that my wife often tells me is that when we are in Europe, so she, for most of our relationship, we were long distance. I was in, in the US and she was in Europe, mostly in Ireland, okay. working over there. And so most of our relationship was just built on trips. And so I would go there and try to spend two weeks at a time, at a time minimum, sometimes maybe three to four weeks. And when I was there and when she was here with me, when she'd come to visit, she noticed uh, this really big difference between like between the version of Roger that she got that she gets to see in Europe and experience mm. and the version that she sees and experiences in New Jersey, New York City. And she's and she one day just told me point blank, you you're different. And I, and then I, of course, she didn't say how different, like in what way, but then I asked, can you say more? <laughs> and she goes that when you're in Europe, I feel like you are more carefree, more you in reality. Like I, I think you are more carefree than maybe you think you are. And mm -hmm. you are more, you, you, when you're there, you're, you're relaxed. You're just a different person. You're almost also more social and like in a different kind of way, because I, I speak at events, I go to events, all of that. Obviously, I am social in the sense that I can go and talk to a room full of people or a few people, whatever it is. And so she wasn't referring to that, though. She goes, it's the way you connect and the, the type mm. of social that you are when you're in Europe. Yeah, you're just a lot more relaxed, whereas in the U.S., you're there's more you I know you're still relaxed, but you're a little more tense. <laughs> like every you're you're in a rush. Things have yeah. to things have to really work out <laughs> the way you intend for them to work out. Whereas in in the in Europe, she goes, you don't necessarily hold everything to that standard. Now one of the things she always says is when something goes wrong, she says, Ah, no pasa nada. She lived in Spain for a long time. So she okay. and she speaks Spanish more. I'm Latino, but she speaks Spanish more fluently than I do. And so she always goes, ah, no pasa nada. And so that's her thing. Like for everything, it's no pasa nada. Everything is fine. No big deal. It's cool. Yeah. And so she goes, but you really do live up to that when you're in Europe. You really are no pasa nada. Like life goes on. If something didn't work out, now nah, we'll figure something out. We'll find, we'll do something else. In the US, you're a little more upset about it when it doesn't work out the way you had intended. And mm -hmm. so one of the things that I've learned there and in other moments in my life, even just trips that I've taken to different cities in the US, even, I have noticed that I feel different. And it mm -hmm. sounds like when you're in Spain, you feel different and a different version of you, you. You've experienced a different version of you. And I've heard this from other people. Mm -hmm. A friend of mine, she has found that Austin, Texas is her jam. That's her place. Like yeah. when she's there, 
she's ignited in a whole nother way versus uh, when she's back in her hometown or in another city. So that's her place. And I think there's something to that. And it's really important. And it's hard to put a price on that in terms yeah, of like- I think reinvention definitely has to do with place as much as it has to do with what yes. we're doing, how we're being. It's all of it, right? Yes. And so if there's a place that makes your heart sing, and there's no one perfect place. Yeah. Coming to Europe made me miss certain things about the US, oh, but, yeah. but then I also gained other things. And so I'm not- saying there's something wrong with the US. I yeah, love the yeah. drive and the ambition and when the innovation that comes out of that country. I'm American. I feel very American. In fact, I feel more American now that I'm here than I probably felt when I was there, <laughs> interestingly enough. But no, I just, I think we have to listen to that too. And if yeah. possible, live where you feel most aligned. Just yeah. To that. yeah, absolutely. Or at least take trips there frequently. Go yeah. there from time to time and just take that trip. And for me, those trips to Europe were a great balance because yeah. it, because you can't, it's not like I come back and I snap right back into the old mode. No, I bring some of that back. And eventually I learned how to apply more of that here and all of that. But yeah, it's just a, obviously the culture is different. The lifestyle is different and all of that. Stepping which, out of our routine, getting out of our daily routine. I think yeah. that helps too. It's just a refresh, exactly. fresh energy, fresh perspectives. It's always good to have. Exactly. Oh, absolutely. And so I think that it's good to know if those places exist. And if you can't move there, that's okay. But do take trips there. Know that going there could do something for you. It's, thera it's therapeutic. Yeah. It's inspiring. It might bring out yeah. some creativity, whatever that is. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, appreciate that. Mm -hmm. That was really good. We went there from, we, we got there from beliefs. <laughs> from um, beliefs, right. But let's yeah. go into reinventions. So okay. I want to talk about so now we're shifting into a reinvention specifically, but let's talk about a project or something you did at some point in your career that eventually led to a reinvention. And I'll even set this up because what I have found is that most or almost all reinventions start with a project. It starts with mm -hmm. something we tested mm -hmm. at some point in time. Sometimes it's 20 years ago. Other times it was like three months ago. But whatever it is, there was a seed planted and that seed eventually got cultivated and developed into something bigger. And so I love exploring these. And I'm wondering if there's a project or something small that when you went into it, you weren't necessarily thinking this could become something bigger, but it did. Sure. I have a couple of those. Nice. <laughs> uh, let me see which one to pick. Um, so in about, I think, 2019, I was working as the uh, director of marketing for a startup pitch coach. She's actually from Silicon Valley, but living here in Sitges, Spain, just south of Barcelona. There's a very funny story about how I got that job, which I'd love to share with you, but I'm just going to start with this side project. So I've been working with her for about four years and I was head of marketing, but I was in charge of hiring the videographers and the PR agency and the, all the different components that supported our marketing efforts and her brand. And I remember thinking to myself, all these people are specialized I'm this Jill of all trades, overseeing things, making decisions, and it was a great role to be in. But wow, they're making really good money doing just that. And look at that person with that niche expertise. And what would be my niche expertise were I to just focus on one thing? So I started asking me that, myself that question. And because this wasn't a full-time job, I had two very young children at home. I was working maybe 20 to 30 hours a week, but not 40 hours a week. I had a little bit of extra time. I was put in touch with a woman whose skills really complemented mine, who had a similar background, had young children. And this was through a community that I had created of female entrepreneurs, which I'll also probably talk about at some point today, not to get on that tangent, but we put our heads together and basically we created this project with a name called Ooh, 
which was O standing for out of office. Because we here, we were from two different countries, living in Spain, living our dream, working remotely. At the same time, like needing to stay connected with home, how do we bring in clients if we were to work, set up our own business? And also this idea that more and more people were becoming remote. And this was before COVID. Uh, more and more people were going remote. We lived in, in with this gorgeous wine country in our backyard. I had a background in events and tourism. I'd worked with backroads. I had set up retreats before. I thought, what if we could, on the one hand, out of office could be remote team retreats in the wine country, getting people off their screens and, and together in real life and connecting. And at the same time, we could use our marketing skills to help them connect overseas with their ideal clients, but live the dream remotely here in Spain and just cater to the sort of international community of entrepreneurs here. And so we created, we created this company and I taught myself how to build websites. I was responsible for the front end. She was responsible for the back end. We practiced on some friends and family as our first sort of early adopters um, and, and got our feet wet, helping people launch brands, rebrand, tell their stories online. And then about a year into that, COVID hit. And lockdown hit. And and this, the pitch coach I was working for basically said, listen, guys, <laughs> things have gotten really volatile and we're going to have to take a break. I'm just going to hit pause and come back when things are in a better place. So I actually helped her get online. That was the first thing I did before I stepped out. But, you know, that job temporarily ended for me. And I had a choice to wait and see what would happen or take this thing that I had already st started building and see where it could go. And so I decided this is the time. The fire is lit. <laughs> Let's drive this forward. And what was nice was that I had a partner to do it with. It wasn't just me on my own. I had another job at the time as I was transitioning into that. Mm -hmm. But my partner ended up going into her family business again, taking things in a different direction because her circumstances had also changed. And so this is where I had to step out on my own and launch my own business. And that became Connectory with this idea of connection, connecting, building connection. And I found my sweet spot, which was through that practice, storytelling helping people share their story as a way of connecting with their ideal audience. And so, yeah, that was definitely a reinvention that came out of a side project and was pushed forward by COVID. But the story of how I ended up working for that pitch coach, mm -hmm. do you want to hear it? It's funny. Yeah, well, actually, hold, so hold that for one afraid, moment. Yeah. Because one of the things that I, I wanted to lift up from your story is that, it, and this is for the people listening these projects, there's really no way to predict how they are going to unfold and possibly become something in our lives. Mm -hmm. I think a couple of key things I noticed or themes or ideas that I noticed in your story. One, obviously the unexpected can happen. Who could have ever predicted a pandemic just tossing itself in the middle of everything? But mm -hmm. it did. And that was something that could never have been planned for. There's no planning, no amount of thinking or processing you could have done to prepare for that. That's one thing. But two is also the part where you take control, where you take control of the things that you do have control over, such as yeah. this, the decisions you make to continue to work on something because it feels right. It's mm -hmm. moving in a direction. You're discovering something about yourself and you decide to follow that and say, mm -hmm. you know what, let me keep going here because I'm starting to have more, I'm getting more clarity and I'm going to keep moving in that direction of clarity. That's something that we can all do. And we're responsible for that. None of these things unfold magically. These things unfold because you took those actions. You decided to follow that. You could have seen all of that and said, I'll just hang back and wait. Maybe I don't feel, I, I, I don't know if I should do anything or not. Maybe I should just stay where I am. That 
in the moment, that could have been a very fine answer, right? That could have been acceptable. The problem mm-hmm. is that as now it, another set of actions brought you to this point. And luckily, mm-hmm. because you made those decisions, you were, you are now here. And so I just want to lift up that we are in control of these moments, or better yet, we're in control of the decisions that we make when moments are presented to us. The path reveals itself, but we still have to do something about it. It's not going to grab us and put us on it by itself. Like We need to go ahead and say, wow, an opportunity has presented itself. What a blessing. Do I want to do something with this or not? And, And that's up to us at the end of the day, whether we walk forward or not. And I feel like you saw these paths opening up as you went along. You made decisions, you continued moving, and you turned a what was a small project and a small discovery in this gig. Uh, a, a small, I say it's a big discovery, but small in the grand scheme of things. It was like this moment where you just had this breakthrough and you started wondering, I wonder if there's another way. I can, what's my thing? If I what's harnessed all thing? of my, yeah, if I harnessed yeah. all of my energy into this one area of focus, like what could happen? And of course, you took some actions from there and that helped you pave the way to this moment. And I'm glad I generated some traction and had some actual clients and projects and something to prove that I could do it and also learn. I had to learn at the beginning how long things take and what kind of process to put in place. And so there was a lot of learning that went on during that year, but it was a kind of a safe year because I had a job still. But when I was pushed out to just... It was like sink or swim. That's when I could finally just say, okay, now this is going to become my full-time gig. And I'm so glad I've already created a foundation for it, or at least I know what I want to do and where my sweet spot is. And I'm just going to carry that part forward, even without my partner. Because at the time that was, that felt hard to do it myself, but, but I think that's a big idea right there. What you said about (laughs) how you were ready when the time came and you were asked or or told that, Hey, we're going to take a pause on this work that we're doing together. You, because you had pursued some projects you had something else that you could pivot Mm. into more quickly. You didn't have Mm. to take a full break, figure out the pivot, create the pivot, launch the pivot, and then develop it. You had already begun some of that work. And so you were able to just lean more into that pivot and say, cool, I guess this is where we're going now, at least for now. We'll see where this goes from here. But, And I think that's important because for anyone listening, a lot of times I think that it's when something happens when we get laid off or when we get fired or when we quit because the conditions got to a point where you just couldn't do it anymore. That's when we start thinking about, okay, how do I write the next chapter or what chapter could I write in my life? Mm. And while, hey, if you're there, it can be done, but it can also, you can lay the groundwork for some ideas before that. And I'm not saying that you only do these projects for the sake of being ready for a layoff or getting fired or quitting a job or anything like that. You do it because it's fulfilling. No doubt you were enjoying the personal discovery, the growth, the development. Mm -hmm. You're like, wow, I'm learning more about myself. And this is really cool. This feels good. This feels right. And I still have the stability and the security of my full-time job. So that's a bonus. So I think that is why we do it initially. It's for that fulfillment, for that growth and the development. But one of the benefits, the extra benefits, the bonus benefits is that should these moments happen where it's time to leave, whether it's by your choice or someone else's choice, hey, you're not going to be left without ideas. Yeah, no, I definitely, I have another story I could share about a moment that broke me where I had to leave and it was a very yeah. tough situation. Which let's, kind of let's, we're going to talk about that. In, uh, so I want you to hold on to that one because I do yeah. want to talk about 
a moment like that. Mm. But I do want to hear that story. You had that story you want to share about how this yeah. opportunity with the I'm pitch came to working backwards. So, the I'm just curious now. Opportunity. But, so, we're going to go backwards for a quick moment because I'm just curious yeah. how this happened. Yeah. Now. Okay. So, um, I was in a moment of transition after that moment that almost broke me, <laughs> which I'll tell you about in a minute. Um, and I something that I did was I'd started a, a community of women who were looking to work from home, start their own businesses. And I was before I started working with the pitch coach, I was between jobs. I had two little children at home and I needed to do something that I could do from home in my time being in control of my schedule that I could do that was creative. And so I had this amazing idea that I would start home staging because this didn't exist in Spain yet. And I'm great yeah. with a camera. And my mom had a real estate company and I had taken photos of houses for her before. And I thought looking at the way people were listing their homes for vacation rentals or, or even sale, not the high luxury homes, the yeah. sort of middle ones and lower ones. You'd see these pictures of houses and they'd be like shot with a cell phone in the dark on a rainy day with the curtains drawn and a pile of laundry on the bed. And I'm thinking, gosh, people don't even realize I could come in here with the right lighting, fix it all up, take gorgeous images, and they're going to get so much more attention and money and value for their home. And so I really felt like this is something I could do. So I put word out and said, does anybody know anybody with a beautiful house that I could take pictures of so I could start to build my portfolio? I need some guinea pigs. It'll be free the first time and then I'll start offering this as a paid service. Mm -hmm. And the first person who I was told about was this woman, this pitch coach who lived in the beautiful duplex overlooking the Mediterranean Sea. And she wanted to be able to rent her place out for, for to family and friends in the summer. And so she said, yeah, I'll take it. Come on in. And so I took pictures of her. I delivered the photos to her. And, and she said, I understand that I'm a guinea pig. What do you really do? <laughs> and I said, oh, I've always worked in marketing and events. And she went, well, I'm looking for a marketing director. Should we have a coffee? And literally just chucked the whole staging idea like the next day and started working for her. And that opened a whole new world to me of startups and entrepreneurial endeavors and ventures yeah. and this energy. And there's a big hub in Barcelona for that, but I had never really come across that world before. And it just, it was so exciting, I think, to learn about, be part of it. And I learned so much from her in those four years that I still carry into my work today. So it was a, it was an amazing mistake or wrong road or wrong path or not even wrong. Just no. I tried something and it might have worked, but it ended up opening a door that I totally couldn't have expected yeah. or see in front of me. And I think but, that's the key right there. So it wasn't a mistake or it wasn't no, like, oh, no. this accidental path that led to the, the right <laughs> path or whatever. Yeah. I think that this is, I, this is what it takes to create, to find, create, develop special opportunities. I think the key here, so let's dissect this because I feel like there are some <laughs> really powerful lessons here for the for our listeners. One is that connecting with people. So this is something I wrote about in my book, the importance of connecting with people. Because right now, if I'm sitting here working by myself, I only have so many ideas, however many I can come up with based on my limited experiences, based on my limited skills, based on whatever, my limited view of the world. I have whatever ideas I have. But as soon as I tap into another person and I bring, let's say, you onto my team and you're helping me out with something and our podcast producer and social media manager, Gabby, and others who have joined the team, all of a sudden, I now have access to more ideas. I have mm -hmm. access to more possibilities, things that someone else can see, do, know, connections they have, whatever it might be. And without going too far into this, that's the point that when we connect to people, we have access to more ideas, more possibilities, more that we can create. And so what you did simply helped you access 
a new person or more people, this person yeah. being one of them. And it doesn't mean that what you did has to be forever. It could mm -hmm. just be something that, look, this piqued my interest in this moment. So mm -hmm. I went for it. I pulled on that thread. Let's see what happens. Let's see what comes out of this. And something really unexpected came out of it. Just but start the, taking action. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, I like that. Yeah. Let's go in that direction. Yeah. I like this other thing too, but right now I like this more. So I'm just going to go in this yeah. way. And nothing commits you to having to become a stager for like life just because you wanted to take a few pictures of a, a, a test subject's home for the first time just to <laughs> test it out. That was just an experiment. But it's these experiments that put us in a place where you never know who you're going to meet. You never know what you'll become exposed to. And the more you can access and become exposed, to the more possibilities speaking about anything is possible imagine there being even more possibilities so we need mm -hmm. to do that by connecting with people and i think that the key in your story one of the big ideas is that you simply followed an interest that was it you didn't overthink it you just said you know what this looks interesting there's a gap here i think i'd like to experiment and that experiment put you in front of more people for all i know that experiment could have also led to you becoming the greatest stager in all of spain <laughs> and you're like you opened up a brand new market that could have been the story that we were talking that we'd be talking about today and that would have been an amazing story to come from an experiment right. But, yeah. but in this case, it was an opportunity that opened to meet somebody new who then had another mm -hmm. idea that you didn't have. And they brought that idea to you. And they even took that extra step of saying, I'm going to hire you for that idea. <laughs> so I'm not only giving you the idea, I'm also going to hire you to do that for me. Yeah. And, you know, here we are today. So, no, yeah. I love that story. I feel like that's it's really fun. important. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it says to us, don't overthink the things right. that you might want to do, your interests, an experiment, whatever it is, just do the experiment, just start yeah. it. So you, you didn't even get to the end of the experiment and it unleashed a brand new world of possibilities for you. And I think a lot of times when I talk to clients or other people who are thinking about reinvention, they're really, and I get this because I too have thought this at certain times, what should I be doing next? Should, what should I be doing next? Because mm. I have this assumption that there's this like one perfect next step. And I need to figure that out first before I begin acting. No, it turns what out I don't I have to yeah. figure out the next step or I don't have to figure out the perfect next step. I just need to take a next step. Wherever mm -hmm. that step might go, I'll see more once I get there. I'll make other decisions once I get to that point. You and took that ask, step. Asking for help too. So, you know, I, and I'll tell you the story of how this network or this community was created. Um, but I went out to the community and said, look, I'm going to start this business. Does anybody know anybody with a house who, you know, and I even did the first job for free because I thought I don't want to feel like an imposter. If it's really bad, at least she hasn't paid me for it. Yeah. But but being given, like people were sending me all sorts of names and phone numbers and this person wants their pictures taken and this one person would love their house done. And I thought, great, I couldn't have done that myself. And so you do have to just speak up, ask for help and yeah. put it out there and see what comes back. Yeah. Let's talk about a moment that almost broke you. On the journey to reinvention, obviously there's so much uncertainty and, and there's also heartbreak, right? There's moments where we just, it, something didn't work out the way we hoped or thought or, and sometimes it, even that opens up a really cool opportunity. But let's talk about a moment that almost broke you on the journey. Can you think of one? Yeah, I can. <laughs> I just had my second child. It was um, probably around 2014. Mm -hmm. And I was freelancing on some odd jobs, interesting projects. Let's let's not say they were odd jobs. They were beautiful projects. I was working on a festival here. I was doing some marketing for somebody else, but very small freelance jobs. And 
I felt that I had stepped out of the market and I didn't know if I was going to be able to get back in. And so this was a fear I had in my head. Now that I'm a full-time mom with two kids at home, my husband was working long hours, how am I going to get my, myself back into the market? How am I going to have that big career still? And then I got headhunted for a job and it was a high-level position, head of operations for a tour operator. And I had been away from that world for quite a while, but it's something that I had done in the past. And I thought, okay, my situation's quite different now, but I think I can do this. And it would mean that I'm back in the market. The salary was good. And so I jumped at the opportunity. But by taking that opportunity, it meant that I was taking my whole family away from Madrid, away from the family, moving somewhere new with a new language. My husband was going to have to travel a lot more. And my kids were going to have to be washed by somebody else because I was going back to work full time. Let's just say that first year was pretty rough. <laughs> Things were not aligned for me at all. I wasn't getting any sleep. I was showing up as a terrible employee. I felt guilty as a mom because I wasn't seeing my kids. It was a great opportunity. It's a great company. And in a different time in my life, it might have been fantastic and worked out really well. But it wasn't a good fit at a good time for me. And we both knew that. And so at the end of that year, I was let go. And even though I knew it was the right decision for all of us, it crushed me. Yeah. It crushed my self-esteem and my self-confidence. I thought, no one's ever going to hire me again. What have I done? To And I felt guilty because I had also taken my family somewhere else for this opportunity. We bought a house. My father-in-law was diagnosed with cancer. And so we weren't even able to be there as much as we might have been. So there were a lot of things happening in my life where everything was just collapsing in on itself as opposed to opening up. And it was hard to see through that. Thank God my husband was very supportive. And even though it was really hard on me, he gave me some space to explore what was next. And the thing that kept ringing very loud, loud in my mind was, I need to work for myself. My next job is going to be me working from home for myself on my terms. Because I, I don't want to go work for somebody else if that's what's going to happen, right? Yeah. And that might have been a limiting, limiting belief that I developed and I since think differently. But it did push me in this direction of entrepreneurship. And so I put a, a question out to a group of international women. And I said, is anybody going through a career change, looking at maybe their second out career, have young children at home or new to the area, new country, like new fresh start? What are you going to do with all your skills? You bring so much to the table, but has anybody stopped <laughs> and wants to keep going? Because I do. Can we put our heads together? And I got this great response. We went out for lunch. I think there were eight of us at that first lunch. And we shared ideas. And some people were further along. Others were just with budding ideas. But we supported each other and created this community. We met again. And a few more people came. Then somebody said, why don't you put this on Meetup? And so I did. And suddenly, many people were coming and showing up from this local community of incredible international talented women who are supporting each other through this this major yeah. career change or launching our own businesses and and it was so great talking about community like you did before and connection having those connections so that was the sort of icing on the cake with the blessing in disguise was that i found yeah. this community i also got out of my head going back to a theme i got out of my head by by creating space for others also to explore and test and experiment and and find their path and then just promote them and their talent because that was something I knew I could do. And so it was really, it really helped me move away from that setback mm. by serving other people, by doing something good. And in a way, I found myself for the first time maybe in my life in a real leadership position without meaning to yeah. be. So it was a really, that was a huge awakening for me. I think that bad experience turned good. And I'll just end by saying that what I came away from that community with is 
I love people's origin stories. I love why people are starting these businesses and everything yeah. they've come with. It's so incredibly inspiring and interesting to me. I've got to do something with this someday. And I think that became the seed for Connectory and what I'm doing today. It absolutely planted that seed. So had that setback not happened, who knows if I would have found this other path and found this alignment that I have yeah. found since. But it really goes to show what happens when you're not in alignment and when you are. You can feel it in your gut when something's yeah. not quite right and you're doing it maybe mm -hmm. for the wrong reasons. And mm -hmm. I guess looking back, that's probably what happened. But Yeah, it, maybe. The right and the wrong reasons. Yeah, and, and maybe <laughs> your gut had said something. But sometimes, look, we're, we're not going to be perfect on the journey. We're going to make some yeah. decisions that don't work out, that weren't right. But what I'm hearing in this story is that even when a situation ends, or it doesn't end, I should say, because it doesn't end at this, it, but it, it leads to something mm -hmm. like getting fired or terminated from your job and all of that, it, it doesn't mean that is where the story ends. It doesn't mean that is where it has to stop or anything like that. You can do something with that. You have everything within you to do something about that and find something good. And I, a lot of times people ask me, and I actually, I was the first person who th I thought of, I had this question once when I was graduating from university and I had to decide between two offers that were my like dream offers. And I'm like, how do I pick one? Mm -hmm. And somebody told me, these are two incredible opportunities. You can honestly flip a coin and life is going to turn out great. But the reason it's going to turn out great is because whichever one you choose, you will make it great no matter what happens. And yeah. I'm hearing this in this choice, even when you choose the thing that may have led to a bump on the road, a pretty bad one, one that almost breaks you. In the end, you can still make it great because mm -hmm. something will be presented to you. And this opportunity, this idea was presented to you in your mind to maybe call on a group of people and let's just go get lunch. <laughs> that simple. Let's go get lunch. Speaking of projects that turn into more, that was like the project. Who lunch. knew? I never saw lunch, that coming. Yeah. Right? Lunch with a, with a group of uh, women who are like me and are trying to make it here in Spain. So let's just get lunch together. <laughs> and what a great project. It's lunch. We're, I was going to do lunch anyway. <laughs> I'm just doing it with, I'm just going to do it with other people now. And that project eventually led was, to a lot more. You made. It was a beautiful accident. Yeah. Yes, it was. <laughs> But you, but you did something with that beautiful yeah. accident and you made it great and you turned yeah. it into something more. So I, I love that story because I think that helps people also understand that there will be moments that break you, but they don't, they're not the, it's not the end of the story. It, yeah. it could, it's the middle of the story. It maybe it's even actually before the middle of the story. It's early in the story and it broke you, but you have the opportunity to get back up and find another way. Mm -hmm. You just have to get back up. And you did. You at least said, let me get back up for lunch. I just don't want to <laughs> eat lunch by myself today. So let me go. I mean, that community has grown to 650 right? women. At one point I was doing, I think, three events a month. It almost became a full-time job yeah. without meaning to, but it was so fun and inspiring. and i love what you said about the leadership role that comes yeah, out of this like I, you, you're now playing a leadership role in this and how many times are we sitting there saying oh my god i wish i could run a company or run a, and all of that but what does it really mean to run a company yeah. what it really means at the end of the day it's to lead a group of people in the direction of a mission right yeah. and to have uh, clarity have a of vision, mission. Yeah. And have a vision and move yeah. uh, move the entire group collectively mm. towards that mission so that you can create something outstanding. And you had that. You created that opportunity. And so it's really important for people to think, hey, if you've ever thought that goal was a goal for you, 
just know that there are many other ways to achieve that goal because mm-hmm. the essence of that goal is simply to lead people. And you could do that through your own community that you build from scratch. It doesn't have to be a company that earns revenue. Yeah. Honestly, I would argue that yours, your challenge is harder than a company because at least with a company, you're offering salaries, which is part of the hook, part <laughs> of the motivation to, hey, do the job that I paid you to do, you know, to some extent, of course. But in your situation, no, it's purely volunteer. It's purely like it's only motivation, <laughs> only inspiration. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But and I got a lot out of it currency. for myself too. In the oh, end, yeah. the, the, the it was so gratifying to be in that role, but also I was constantly getting inspiration and ideas yes. and and forming my own ideas about what I wanted to do. And I, I really yeah. do credit that community with bringing me into the, the mm-hmm. sweet spot that I finally found and, and yeah. then turned into a business. Let's talk about guiding angels. I talk a lot about yeah. people who've come into our lives sometimes for an hour, a day, a week, a year, maybe a decade or anything in between, but they made an impact. Uh, can you pick one person uh, on your journey and just tell us a little story about uh, a story about them and, and how they played a guiding angel role on your journey? So not a parent, right? Not somebody who's been there all along, but you're talking. It, it could even be somebody you met for an hour, somebody you sat with on a flight, but said okay. something to you, did something that you're like, wow, that made an impact. And it could be a parent too, by the way. So. Definitely. I, there's a lot I could talk about in terms of how my parents have supported me and brought me a lot of inspiration on my journey. But I think I'm going to pick two that are pretty out there. Okay. Very quick. One was the Swami in India when I was doing my yoga teacher training. And then I, I did some meditation courses there. And I remember sitting, I think I mentioned this earlier, but at one point the Swami said, you are exactly where you need to be. You are on your path. And those words have been my mantra forever. So anytime I started to question if I was on the right path or if I'd made the right decision or if I had just self-sabotaged something that was going really well in favor of something that looked more interesting, whatever the situation might be, I will tell myself that again and again. And it's just, yes, this is all part of the journey. And so those words were very important to me. I was with that person for a month and there's somebody I was with for one hour also spiritual. And this is this was an astrologer named Rex in New Mexico, right before I moved to Spain. I had just bought my ticket to Barcelona. I had this fantasy about living in Spain and getting my European citizenship. But it was a crazy idea. I was I left my job, I left my apartment, I sold my car, I put all my stuff in storage. It was like I cleaned house to do this thing. And I walked into this astrologer's studio and I just said, hi, what are you going to tell me today? And he said, the first thing he said was, India has taught you much. And I said, yeah, I just came back and amazing that you say that. And he said, the second thing he said was, your destiny is on the border of France and Spain. I was like, how did you know? (laughs) (laughs) How did you know? And it's just, it's not that I guide my life by astrology and there's nothing wrong with doing it that way. I was just curious. I had never done this before. I said, I'm going to go get a reading because maybe he'll say something that makes me feel like I'm doing the right thing. And he said exactly what I needed to hear. And I just feel like that pushed, that was like the final, yes, you're on the right path. It's okay, go. And who knows, that could have been anybody, but I just needed to hear those words and think this is in the stars for me. (laughs) They're out there, but I still think of those moments as, yeah. Yeah. I think the a key takeaway there is that a guiding angel, yes, of course, they could be our parents, people who've been in our lives for a very long time and have played a really significant role. But it could also be someone that literally just popped into our lives for 
however long that reading that 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 session with the astrologist an was or yeah. an hour so that hour <laughs> so literally the the amount of time i said an hour it could be an hour it could be a decade and but it was something they said that 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 unlocked Somehow validated my choice he also exactly. said that i was always going to be in many different creative disciplines helping people and that yeah. has stayed with me as well as i don't know how he knows that or how he could see that but it has definitely come true for me and so sometimes just, I don't know, having this kind of outside validation is nice <laughs> when yeah. you're just the only person having to believe everything that's going on in your head all the yeah. time. So. so I think a key takeaway for anyone listening is uh, keep your eyes and ears open. These guiding angels are anywhere and everywhere. And they could show up in, it, in funny places. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They could be at the gym running alongside you in the treadmill next to you. They could be sitting next to you on a flight. On the signs. day that on the day that you don't want to talk to anybody, but that yeah. could be the but they want to talk to you, and that might be a guiding angel sign. I'm trying to nudge my way in here. I got a message to deliver. Hello, can you answer the call here? <laughs> Just a quick five minutes is all I need, and I'll get the message delivered. But if we tune that out, if we say no to everything, if we close those opportunities out, then we don't have that chance. Be I would curious argue that, is another part yeah, of that, right? Just stay yeah, curious. Remain open, open to receiving these messages. <laughs> Let's talk about a moment of absolute clarity. And I guess what I mean by this is a mm. moment where that just maybe you just realize, wow, life will never be the same now that I know this or now that this happened, like, I, this is one of those moments where life will never be the same. Mm. Can you tell us about one of these? Yeah, again, there's probably quite a few I could talk about. But I feel like when I finally, so I was somebody who stood in the wings and promoted talent. I promoted entrepreneurs. I was always the one pushing people into the spotlight, but I hadn't really stood in the spotlight for myself. And I think it scared me. And I also asked myself, what do I have to bring to the table? What is the thing that I do? When I finally found that thing, as I mentioned earlier, that moment when I finally stepped into the spotlight and said, here I am, we've launched. I'm out there now and started to use my voice and started to explore my creativity and have an audience and have that conversation and get that feedback. That was a really defining moment for me in seeing what I was capable of in, in believing in myself and just knowing that I could contribute so much more. And it's not to say that being in the wings was bad, but I just believe out of that experience that we all have something to bring to the table. We all have a natural gift or talent and it's up to us to, to unlock it, to find it, and to bring it to the surface and to share our voice and make a difference for people. And I just felt that once I started doing that, there was no turning back. I love that. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about finances on the journey to reinvention. This means a lot of things to a lot of different, a lot of different things to different, to different yeah. people. What's an insight or maybe a key idea or a piece of advice, but maybe an insight based on your experiences that you would share as finances impacted your journey to reinvention? Yeah, I've, I've, I've reinvented myself a few times. And so probably they were different each time. For me, I think something that I've always done was I haven't really gone beyond my means. And so I was, I, mm. I think I've been debt avoidant. <laughs> um, yeah. And that's not necessarily a smart decision. It was just my decision. And so yeah. when I took these transitions, I did with what I had available to me and I stretched it as far as I could go, or I think I was responsible in that regard. I might not have thought bigger or broader than that or borrowed in order to make things happen, but mm. I've always grown slowly and sustainably within my means. And maybe yeah. that's created less stress for me, certainly in launching my business. I was my resource. I worked from home. I needed a laptop and, a, and an internet connection. And thankfully, I had this community to draw from in terms of funneling clients and projects. 
And I wasn't starting from a blank slate. I didn't have to borrow. I was able to hit the ground running and I had some traction already. And that definitely made it less stressful than it might have been. Mm -hmm. And so that's maybe one thing that I take from this. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. I know this is one of those where there is no one right answer. There's no one size fits all answer. But it's important to hear some of these ideas, insights, reflections that people have, such as this one about debt and how you saw debt along your journey, because there's someone listening who this might be what they needed to hear in order to say, okay, wow, I feel better about how I'm approaching things. Maybe I'm not wrong. Maybe this, if it worked for her, maybe this sounds like might actually work for me as well. And you're right. It's not going to be for everyone. For some, maybe debt means investing in yourself, taking a big bet, using someone else's money, which if that's what feels right for them and they have the right opportunity for that, then that's their choice. But, you know, in your case, you had this way, you had this, you lean, you lean more towards being debt avoidant, as you mentioned, and that created the space for you to be able to move more freely from one thing to another with more confidence, it sounds, or at least less hesitation, perhaps I think is the right word. Yeah. I mean, maybe I would have grown faster and bigger with that influx of money or investment, but I don't think my business required it. And I liked the pace that I was moving and growing in, and I'm continuing to grow and move in a direction. And Mm. for the moment, it's okay. There may be a time when I need to borrow, and I'm not averse to doing that at all. There we go. But I just, I guess I went with a slightly lower risk approach (laughs) at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And if it does, and to your point, if it doesn't require it, then that's fine. You were able to do it without it. So that's an important thing to keep Mm -hmm. in mind. Let's talk about balancing life and mental health on the journey to reinvention. Mm. Share an insight with us. Share a piece of advice, something you've learned. Okay. I I think I learned this from my mother. So she reinvented herself at 42. She went from being a graphic designer to a real estate broker, started her own agency. And something I really admired about her and I've taken from her is she gets up at five in the morning and she gets in the pool at six or she runs or she walks for an hour, but she always takes care of herself first. She has her me time before she has her work time. Always, no matter what. Absolutely. There's no no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Mm-hmm. And I've carried that forward as well because I know how important it is to take care of ourselves. Now, I have yeah. overworked at times. And there was a time when I had to stop working because I hit the wall with my health and I had to heal myself. And it really showed me, I think, in that moment what really matters and that health and relationships and our well-being, our mental and physical health are always going to be more important than our job. And so yeah. I think that the lesson here is never negate those things or work to the point of burnout or work to the point of poor health because you are your biggest resource. And if you're not taking care of yourself, your business is not going to. Um, So put yourself first in that sense. I love it. And actually, I want to take, I want to use the phrase you used, me time before work time. That's it right there. That's the mantra that I'm going to, I like that a lot. (laughs) Me time before work time. Say that to yourself enough times and you'll start doing it. Let's talk about relationships on the journey, maybe how relationships uh, impacted the journey or the other way around, how the journey impacted relationships. Any insights, guidance, advice that you would share from your own experiences? Okay. I think to anybody who is starting their own business or going through a reinvention process, you're in your head a lot, right? And you're probably working a lot. My advice would be don't dump it on your partner or your family or your friends too much. And I think it's, it's really, if you can have a coach or a therapist or a mentor, somebody that you can talk to and talk through those doubts that you might have, especially if you're on your own. Um, It's great if you don't have to burden the people around you because it can be a lot. 
I think, for people. And I've learned that myself. And we even have a bit, uh, we have a, a rule at home, which is we don't talk about work at home because we both work from home. And it would just be an office all the time, full yeah. of challenges and stuff happening every day that wouldn't create a nice space for living, right? So I think yeah. it's finding that separation, even with our relationships. And the other part I would say is stay curious and stay open and keep listening and get out of your own head from time to time. Ask people about their day, <laughs> what's going on for them, and not just maybe stay in that conversation that you're constantly having, but should I do this? And what about that client? And there's always yeah. chatter. And so how do you quiet yeah. the chatter? You can do that by taking an interest in others and getting out and having fun, just mm -hmm. putting the work down, putting the phone down and keeping that social life alive and vibrant, I think is, is such an important part of a well-being. I love, I love that. Ask somebody about their day. That's uh, <laughs> the, I mean, in a nutshell, it's like just... Right? Ask them about their day. Don't tell them about yours. Ask about theirs. <laughs> and that's a quick way to shift out of you to yeah. someone else and be able to open up the possibility of uh, developing a relationship just through that conversation, taking interest in others. That, that's great. Thank you for that. Uh, what has been your single greatest needle mover? Something you do, a habit, a strategy, something, a practice that you would say, wow, without this, I, I don't think I'd be where I am today. Is there anything? that you mm. practice do or a habit that you have that you would give that level of credit to. This was a big one. I've done this most of my life. Or now that I do it, it makes a big difference. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to health and being for a second with this one. Um, so a big needle mover for me in the last couple of years has been jumping into a cold sea. Mm. And what I discovered doing this Wim Hof method is that it brings me back to a place of presence, pure presence, yeah out of yeah. my head. Again, I have a tendency to get into my head. And so anything that's going to take me out of there and bring me back into the present moment, it makes me grateful for where I for where I live and what I have around me. It cleans, yeah, it just clears my mind. It brings a sense of calm and, and it brings me in connection with nature. And so I think yeah. for me, the needle mover is stay in touch with nature, stay present, stay in our in our essence, right? In our core essence, in, in that just place where everything is connected um, inside of us, because then we can connect with other people. And so I think it's finding that inner connection and that connection with the world around us. And then that connection with the people that we serve, it starts from within. So that's a big one. And I've experienced that in many different ways over the years, but this was mm -hmm. maybe a recent way that has come back into being. Marissa, thank you so much for one, spending time with us, but two, sharing so many powerful insights, stories, lessons, opening up, sharing some vulnerable moments with us as well, because I think this is what helps the audience as they're going and navigating through their own journey to reinvention. You know, that we experience so many different feelings. There's good and bad moments, but it's validating to hear that, okay, I'm not alone in this. This is part of the path. So maybe I am on the right path by feeling some of these d difficult moments. And stories like yours, I think, help us see that we're going to be okay. But you also shared some interesting ideas and strategies for how we can begin to close the gap and even some possibilities of different things that we can pursue and do. I love the experiment with just, hey, take pictures of homes. Like you never know where that might end up. So you've given us possibilities, things that we might consider that. Maybe if we had not heard your story, we would not have thought that was a goal that one could pursue. Maybe it's exactly what you do today that might light someone up and they didn't even know that was a job or something that they could really pursue the way you pursue it. And now you've given them that possibility. Speaking of anything is possible, we know more things that are possible when we get to hear stories from people like you. So thank you so much for that. For those who want to reach out, connect with you, follow up with you, what are a few quick ways? And by the way, 
everything, all your links. We're going to have so many things in the show notes, but we're, if there's anything you want to point people to share that with us right now. All right. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. First of all, I'd like to say that. And yes, you can find me online. So I'm at theconnectory.com. I'm also on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. So those will be in the show notes, but one new project that I'm about to launch, which I'm really excited about is called Career Portfolio. And I think it appeals to your audience. And this is a simple website as I build websites and I help people tell their brand stories. And I also work a lot with personal brands, but this isn't so much a personal brand website. It's a personal website that takes your whole career story and tell and crafts a narrative that's visual and kinetic that, that makes other people clearly understand the value that you're bringing to any job. And so it's like, what's your purpose? What's your vision? What can you do? What value to bring to the table? all in one project. And that comes with a bit of coaching and, and a bit of career mentorship. And so this is just a new project that I'm launching. An example of this is now at marisaweiser.com. So that'll be in the show notes too. And if anybody's interested in that process of pulling together all the parts of their past so that they can move forward in the direction that they want to go in and have the impact they want to make, I'd be very happy to speak to them and see how I can help. Awesome. We're you just you're launching this right now. This is we're recording this for the audience to know November 2023, which means in the coming months, make sure to reach out when the episode releases. This project will probably be in full effect. So that means that when you hear this is the time to reach out and make sure you go to the website. So very cool. And then reach out to Marissa. Uh, congratulations, by the way, on Thank launching you. this new project. I did take a look at your website. And I noticed that it's because you that's not how I found you. I found you obviously through another website. But then I saw this one and I go, how did I not know about this site? And I just loved the way it was set up. And I didn't, I was going to just comment offline with you. But since you brought it up, it, it, it was just a really interesting way with really great pictures of you as well in different settings. I just felt, wow, I'm getting to know you in different ways. And for a moment, I thought, wait, am I on the old site? And then I realized, no, I'm on her personal site. Huh, yeah. this is interesting. So if this is something of interest to you and you're listening in, definitely take a look at reach out to Marissa about this and all of her contact, relevant contact info and links will be in the show notes. Marissa, thank you so much again for all of your time and for sharing so much of your experience with us. Thank you, Roger. Thank you for listening to this episode of the School of Reinvention podcast. Again, I'm your host, Roger Osorio. If you're ready to start your journey to reinvention and want to walk the path with others, visit www.rogerosorio.com and go to the School of Reinvention to check out for yourself how a community-based coaching platform can help you begin your next reinvention. You can also go to rogerosorio.com to purchase my new book, The Journey to Reinvention, and receive some exciting bonuses. Until next time, make your day great.